So if the enemy is going to sideline anybody and distract anybody's BS, so we shouldn't be shocked that we find ourselves facing hard choices. In facing those choices, I think we're at a, we're at a point that if if we don't get back to the big dream and if we don't articulate, this is who we are, this is why we're here, and this is what God's called us to do, we may not go out of existence but we'll have no dent in the future. We won't impact the future. All right, guys. So we have Dr. David Lowry uh, with us. Uh, he is currently the pastor, the lead pastor at First Baptist Decatur, which is Northwest Fort Worth. Right. And he's served uh, all around the state in different uh, different churches, First Baptist El Paso, First Baptist Canyon. He's served in around the DFW area, church planning, served in Milwaukee for, for a number of years. Uh, he's also served as uh, a former president of the Texas Baptist, uh, the BGCT. And so, David, we're, we're grateful for you to kind of spend some time with us to kind of pick your brain a little bit about Texas Baptist life. Okay. Yeah. Sounds good. Yeah. So, so, David, you are what I would consider a legacy pastor, a legacy pastor, Texas Baptist pastor, and a legacy Texas Baptist president, because your father, D.L. Lowry, was a longtime pastor at First Baptist uh, Lubbock, as well as being a former president of Texas Baptist. That's true. Uh, what, do you, what are some differences and some similarities between uh, your father's time as president uh, uh, in Texas uh, compared to your time, uh, which you served as president? Um, 2008 to 2010. Okay. So mm -hmm. a relatively contentious time, I guess. Transitional. It yeah. was transitional, but it was, um, it was an exciting time yeah. for me personally. Yeah. And, uh, well, he was elected. Well, of course, my dad moved here from Tennessee to go to Southwestern. Mm -hmm. That's how we became Texans. And uh, so he started pastoring in Texas probably around 1961. He was elected president probably 77, mm -hmm. something like that. And so if you know Southern Baptist history, you know that the fundamentalist movement pretty much became a reality in 1979. Mm -hmm. So his two years of leadership in Texas was, was just as that movement was beginning to affect the national scene. Mm -hmm. But Texas has always been conservative and always, since most of the pastors were out of Southwestern, they were very church-oriented, evangelism-oriented. And so, you know, his challenge is they were trying to get ready for the growth of Texas. Mm -hmm. and, and he was part of what they call Texas 2000, where they were trying to start churches to get ready for the growth that they were anticipating back in 2000, which is really like a trickle compared to what we're experiencing today. Right. And so there was really no tension. In fact, um, Billy Graham came to the annual meeting in Waco where dad was elected. Oh, wow. So it was quite an event, as you might imagine, Billy Graham being yeah. in town. I think they had five or six candidates for president. They had a runoff. He was elected. But you didn't have any kind of groups. You know, it wasn't like, it was like five high-profile Texas Baptist pastors, and they all, you know, they got nominated, and we voted, and that ended up being elected. He'd been a chairman of the executive board, so he had roots in, in uh, <coughs> Texas Baptist life. And so his years, Texas Baptist churches were strong. They were growing. The state was growing. 
the state was probably 85% Anglo mm. in those days. Um, your Baptist churches in Texas were mostly Southern Baptist churches. And in those days, Southern Baptist churches were like McDonald's. You go from one and you'd be like, you know, you'd move oh, from church yeah. to church to church and they'd be very, very similar. Yeah. Same, same curriculums. You know, everybody had Lottie Moon, Ernie Armstrong, you know, it was so his world was much more able to be kingdom focused. Now, mm. obviously the seventies nationally, you know, there was a lot of going on politically, but, you know, under Jimmy Carter's administration, that was when, which would have been 76 to 80, that was when the religious right got into politics. Mm. You had the fundamentalist movement in 79. So dad really had the privilege of getting to God, Texas Baptist, at a season where there wasn't so much of the headwinds we face today. Mm -hmm. By the time I became president in 2008, you know, it was such a different world. Texas was much more ethnically diverse in 2008. I mean, right. when I became president, I think we spoke 60, 70 different languages on Sunday morning as Texas Baptists. Mm -hmm. That was unheard of in 78. Um, but um, my presidency <clears throat> was at a transition point. Uh, Dr. Wade had announced his retirement. Randall Everett had just come in. And I uh, felt a calling to get involved and try to help Texas Baptists be centered on the things that have historically been important to us. Mm -hmm. So that's sort of, but it was a totally different world. Yeah. So what were some of the things that you were you were focused on, uh, that, that you were hoping to center Texas Baptists on uh, during your presidency? Well, <clears throat> In 1994, when Dr. Dale Day was fired at Southwestern, the game in Texas changed. Yeah. Because Texas, by and large, are conservative, Bible-believing, kingdom evangelism-oriented. But during, from 1994 to 2000-ish in Texas, among Texas Baptists, there was a heightened fear of a fundamentalism takeover. Mm -hmm. So all the energy... Where do you think that came from, that fear? Well, the firing of Dilday. You think that's what yeah, it was? Yeah, because, because Dilday... Because Southwestern had sort of flown under the radar. Mm. And, it, and since it was essentially a conservative school, there really wasn't any need for a takeover, you know, redirection... But Dr. Dilday was concerned about the national trends, and he felt like he needed to speak out against it. Mm. His board of directors warned him, or board of trustees warned him. He stayed true to his own conscience, and eventually the board couldn't condone his outspokenness. Mm. So when they fired him, and then the manner in which they fired him, I mean, they fired him— they locked him out of his office. I mean, it was it was yeah. an ugly moment in Texas Baptist life. Yeah. Well, for those who, in the back of their minds, considered the fundamentalist movement as a threat, that action just made it clear that all their fears were true. Yeah, And so... Anything or anyone closely related to the Southern Baptist became, became colored by the actions of that 
group of leaders, mm-hmm. even though they didn't represent us. I was a Southern Baptist. They didn't represent me at all. But yet in Texas Baptist life, there was a great fear. Baylor changed its relationship with the BGCT so that nobody could take over Baylor. And, you know, it was just, but, but the interesting thing is I don't think the fundamentalists ever had any intentions and I could be wrong, but I don't think they ever had any intentions of taking over Texas. They knew that it was not take, they couldn't take it over. Mm-hmm. But some of our leaders were concerned about that. So they, you know, they made tremendous efforts to distance the Texas Baptist Convention from Southern Baptists mm-hmm. to the point that almost all of our elected leadership had no affiliation with Southern Baptists. Mm. I think I was the first Southern Baptist president of the BGCT over a period of maybe 15 or 20 years. Gosh. In when fact, the majority of the church is probably affiliated with the SBC. Absolutely. Yeah. But <clears throat> it was just an odd time. Yeah. Uh, and so, uh, so I wanted, when I became president, my hope was to get us off of the politics and get us back on the things that drew us together. Mm-hmm. Reaching the state of Texas, you know, being the people that God wants us to be. Uh, under Randall Everett, he had a he had a bold vision. He wanted us to share the gospel with everybody in the state of Texas and to make sure there are no hungry children in Texas. Mm-hmm. So those were his two can't really speak against those two yeah, things, Yeah, and right? so it was great. It was easy to champion those causes mm-hmm. because, I mean, who can argue about sharing Jesus with people in Texas and who can argue against feeding hungry children? So we, the Texas Hunger Initiative came out of those days, you know, Baylor and some of that kind of things. And then we did, I mean, we made a good faith effort over a period of years to try to intentionally get the gospel in the hands of people. Mm-hmm. In those days, it was delivering CD or DVDs. And it was, you know, it was a a different era. But anyway, door-to-door evangelism, prayer walking, like as president in my home church, we we, uh, prayer walked our whole city. Mm -hmm. We knocked on every single door in Canyon, Texas. Not everybody answered, but we knocked on every door. We prayed on every porch. We tried to initiate conversations with all of our friends and neighbors. Of course, it was a town of just 10,000 people. So that was a very doable thing. Mm for our church, but, you know, those were, but I just wanted to get us back to that. I wanted to uh, get everybody back at the table mm-hmm. <clears throat> because many of the good, solid Texas Baptists who were still Southern Baptists, they still love Texas Baptist work, but they had no voice. They had no representation, no opportunity to be part of the conversation. Mm-hmm. And so I didn't really want to get rid of anybody. I just wanted to open up a path for other people to get back to the table. Right. And so it was a, it was an exciting two years. Uh, we saw, I thought, I think under Dr. Everett's leadership and just, you know, it was just a good season. Yeah. And, and I think it's contributed to who we have become mm. and who we hope to be in the years to come. Yeah. 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 I've heard it said, uh, <clears throat> by a number of people that, that your, your election as president, like you helped not necessarily single-handedly, but you helped save the convention. <laughs> what, do, what do you say to that? Uh, you know, that that's sort of heady stuff, but um, <laughs> I, I think what I was able to do and it wasn't 
me. I was just able to articulate in a positive message what most Texas Baptists long for. Mm. And so, and since our approach to leadership was, wasn't strident, you know, we weren't like my first, I actually lost my first election um, <laughs> to Joy Finner. Um, and Joy was a wonderful lady. She was leader of WME for years and, and, uh, was it closer? <clears throat> oh yeah, it, it was. It was so close that people were shocked because um, in those days, Texas Baptist committed were a tremendous force within Texas Baptist life, and they had chosen her to be their nominee, and no one had ever defeated a nominee from Texas Baptist committed ever. Mm. And um, <clears throat> but when we, but that was right between Everett and Wade. So Wade was going out, and so really, uh, there was a pastor named Bill Wright. He was at First Baptist Plains, and it was just the two of us. We came up with the idea of having a candidate for president who would articulate a vision that was more centrist and more to the the historical values of Texas Baptist. Mm -hmm. So we weren't against joy. We weren't against the Texas Baptist committed. Mm -hmm. We were just trying to say, you know, this, this is who we've been. This is who we still want to be. That Mm -hmm. kind of message, not against the, for this vision. And so I think the first election, I, I lost, of course, we had many, many more people at the convention. I think, I don't know. I don't remember. I, I lost by a few hundred votes, but which sounds like a lot today because we only have a few hundred messengers, but I think it was like 52% to 48%, which was shocking to almost everybody because it really wasn't a movement. Mm. It was more of a message. You know, like we didn't have a political group. We didn't have any grassroots meetings around the state. We, of course, blogging had just sort of become a thing. And I used the blog to sort of, articulate a message, and then I would respond to other blogs that were about Texas Baptist in those days, just continuing to articulate that message. In fact, uh, uh, Ellis Orozco and I, one of my first encounters with uh, with him was the back and forth on one of those blogs, and uh, hearing him preach recently uh, just reminded me of how we first met. But um, <clears throat> So I lost that election, but I think the message articulated with enough people that I was approached to run again. And so I agreed to do that. And then during that year, they called Randall Everett, and uh, which I think our, that election affected the search committee. Mm. Because I think the search committee knew that if they continued down the path that we had been on, not that Dr. Wade had ill intent, right? but that if we continued that way, that we, there was a large group of Texas Baptists that didn't resonate with that. Mm-hmm. They weren't angry. They weren't going to leave. They were committed, but they were on the outside. Right. And so the next year I was elected in Fort Worth and then I got to serve, you know, the, I didn't have opposition the second year. So I served two full terms. Um, and during those years, we were able to appoint, you know, a wide variety of Texas Baptists. And I, so it was, 
I, th- I think I just caught a wave. I think God was up to something. I just got the chance to say it, and it was already in a lot of people's hearts. Mm. So it wasn't like I was the brainchild. I just happened to be the one that said, hey, you know, let's do it this way. Yeah. And, a lot of, and I knew a lot of people agreed with me. I remember meeting with one uh, Texas Baptist committed leader, and he he told us, <laughs> we met him uh, for dinner, he told us that we were crazy. He said, there's <laughs> no way in the world you'll ever get elected. Of course, we told him, that's fine. We don't intend to get elected. We wanted to give Texas Baptists a chance to say something without having to be against something, mm. you know? And so we, we, we knew we'd lose. I mean, there's, how could we win? But yet, uh, as the momentum built, I think they began to realize that, that we were in tune. You know, one of the lessons of those years is if we get in these little silos and we surround our, ourselves with people that agree with us, and only agree with us. Mm-hmm. And we label the others and we don't know them and we don't talk to them. Then we can make decisions blindly because we're not listening to the body. Yeah. And so, so like when we came on, like when we appointed our the various leaders, we would do, we did it across the spectrum. We had ethnic diversity, we had diversity in terms of you know, the the views of Baptist life. Yeah, you know, theological difference. Yeah, yeah. We, I mean, it was a very broad, but yet what our intent was, let's all get at the table and talk to each other. Mm. And let's realize that we're, we all have the same heart. We all want to advance the cause of the Texas Baptist and, and that we can disagree and yet we can still work together in a, a significant way. And uh, of course, we're back there again in some respects. Yeah. Um, which uh, that, that leads me to my next question was like <clears throat> so we we've looked at t- your dad's time period of leadership in this and in, in BGCT and yours like what what are what are some of the similarities that you see today from either of those periods time periods I think we we're still we still need you know, big family table, we need a place and we need everybody at the table talking to each other, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and of course the actions of the Southern Baptist convention in new Orleans have created a tension for Texas Baptists. Yeah. Because these are rough statistics, but of the 2,500 churches that support Texas Baptist financially, Roughly fourteen to fifteen hundred or Southern Baptists. Yeah. Okay. So that I mean, they, um, they're Southern Baptists in the fact that they actually give to the cooperative program to through the Southern Baptist Convention. I think ninety something percent of our churches are Southern Baptists. Right. But for me, just knowing how Baptist life works, show me where your money goes, and that tells me where your heart is. Yeah. So about fourteen hundred out of twenty five hundred contributing churches. Or Southern Baptists, of our two hundred, our top two hundred giving churches, eighty percent of those are Southern Baptists. Mm, wow! And uh, so, so what the Southern Baptists did is a big deal for us. Yeah, because those are part; those are members of our team, are members of our family, right? And they have a certain worldview, as it were, about certain issues within church life. 
but they are Texas Baptist churches, which tells me they still believe in a big tent. Mm-hmm. Because if they didn't, if they weren't willing to cooperate with churches that have female pastors, young women in various roles of leadership, they wouldn't be Texas Baptists. Right. I mean, Texas Baptists, the genius of Texas Baptists is that we can have that kind of stretch and yet still be focused on the main thing. Mm-hmm. We don't allow those differences. Um to illustrate it, you know, take an airplane. To fly an airplane, it takes two wings. But most of us don't fly on the wings. We fly in the cabin, right? Mm. Well, Texas Baptists are a lot like that. We have those that are on the wings. You know, we'll have, you know, King James only kind of people. And then you'll have a church with a female senior pastor. I mean, yeah. you those we have those. Right. And so that's the wings. We need both wings. You know, we're... Southern Baptists of Texas, to me, they're more like a helicopter. They don't have any wings. I mean, because mm-hmm. they're all, you know, like you mm-hmm. to be part of their group, you have to agree on so many things yeah. or you can't even get in the circle. Right. Which is, you know, that's just their way of doing it. It's, I'm not saying that our way is better. I'm just, we're different. Mm-hmm. And so Texas Baptists, we need to celebrate that diversity. But yet we did not come together. To teach, to teach churches how to be churches. We came together to do something that we cannot do as individual churches. Mm. You know, yeah. we have a mission, mission yeah. that takes all of us as churches to do it together. Right. And so if we take our eyes off why we're together and move into the world of instructing churches on how they ought to do their business, then... We've distracted ourselves. Now, here's the danger that we face. Not that we could have done this back in 2000, but Texas is exploding in growth. Yeah. Not hundreds of people, thousands, millions of people are coming to Texas. Our enemy knows it. We are, I think, statistically the largest Christian denomination or movement in the state of Texas outside the Roman Catholic Church. Mm-hmm. So if the enemy is going to sideline anybody and distract anybody, it'd be us. Right. Right? So we shouldn't be shocked mm-hmm. that we find ourselves facing hard choices. Yeah. And in... Facing those choices, I think we're at a, we're at a point that if if we don't get back to the big dream and if we don't articulate this is who we are, this is why we're here, and this is what God's called us to do, we may not go out of existence, but we'll have no dent in the future. We won't impact the future. Mm-hmm. Maybe in two thousand we could have been distracted. But if we get distracted now, if you think about the kingdom of God as that Jesus called us not for ourselves, but for others, 
how many people's lives will be lost. Hello, my name is David Miranda, and I want to thank you for visiting the Pastors Common. The Pastors Common exists for us to listen, learn, and collaborate. It is a space that we've created to resource one another and to equip one another in ministry. Ministry is not easy, and we cannot do this in a silo. So we thank you so much for being a part of this, and we hope this is a blessing to you. God bless.